This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Time once again for T. Watts and TR on the Bama Online Podcast. It is a Wednesday, March the 1st, 2023. Travis Ryer. Senior analyst for BamaOnline.com alongside site publisher Tim Watts. And Tim, the 1st of March. March 1, what does that maybe signify to you when it comes to sports or maybe just day-to-day life? Is it, is it spring to you on March 1st? Is it uh, – what 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 comes to mind with March 1? You know, the weather certainly has been, been fantastic the last two weeks for the most part, and it looks good this week, so – it does bring spring, but for me, being a basketball guy, it's straight NCAA tournament, <laughs> you know, tournament, not just NCAA, but tournament. I saw teams playing last night in some smaller tournaments uh, on ESPN. I flipped by, I think Liberty was playing. Yeah, A-Sun, I think, has got it cranked up already. They had them seated. I was like, I, you know, I saw Liberty because Bama played that kid earlier in the year, that guard. And uh, when it flipped over, I took a glance at it, and it said two versus eight. And I was like, oh, Lord, we're here. Let's go. So tournament time for me, baseball's around the corner, which I'm excited. Major League Baseball, you know, college baseball's already already playing. So, you know, I, I see the end of winter, although I feel like we missed it. <laughs> I don't remember a winter this year for the most part, if this is it, indeed it. I don't remember a long extended uh, 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 winter, but I'm okay with that. I'm ready for summer anyways. Yeah, it's kind of like an extended fall, fall, right? That's never right. a bad thing. Absolutely. Ready for, you know, spring football. A lot, lot happening right now. You know, it comes kind of dead. Um, honestly, it's usually this time of year, once we get past the late list, there was no dramatic drama in the late signing period for recruiting. And then you had did have coaching drama that we're not used to having so late. But for the most part, this is always a pretty quiet time of the year. So I know when it busts open, it's going to bust, bust open big. Yeah, I'm kind of the golf guy on the pod, I guess. So I like the arrival of March for all the things you said, too, by the way. I like baseball. Certainly spring football's up there for us. Um, you said it with March Madness. I mean, there's not another stretch of three weeks or so, four weeks or so like it that consumes a month like March Madness does. But, yeah, I like the pro golf. Uh, we got the Players Championship and Sawgrass coming up next week. Next thing you know, we'll get into March Madness in full, and then right at the end of March Madness, we pivot directly into the start of the Major League Baseball season and really into uh, the Masters as well, where pro golf is concerned. So we got it covered. This is a time of year I think we both find uh, much to our liking. I watched your full swing show. You watched it. Okay. It's very – I'm not a golf guy. Um, I like the tennis one slightly more because it had the – men and the women and it kind of told a little bit more of the back scene than this did right uh, but i like the golf i like the golf aspect you know i found a couple guys i didn't know of who's the tall uh samoan or hawaiian tony yeah. finau i like yeah. him. and i like the little short english guy i talked about that last week those were probably my two favorite really that's features that's yeah I, I like matthew i like matt fitzpatrick learning about him 
Yeah. Uh, and then Tony Finau from the family angle, man. I, I think that resonates. That could be a reality show, right? Tony Finau's deal could be a reality show. I had no idea about either, but they're so what I didn't expect. You know, the other guys are un- unbelievable golfers, obviously, and athletes. It's changed since I was growing up. The joke was nobody was an athlete, you know, playing golf, but they obviously are now. But see those two, that was interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I'm glad the season's here. Um, I'm not a winner guy. You know, I'm, I only do the cargo shorts. So um, <laughs> they, they translate okay in the winter, but not great. But I'm glad. I'm glad we're moving into the uh, the end of the regular basketball season and, and getting ready to go to the tournament. Yeah, speaking of the full swing show on Netflix, Justin Thomas, former Alabama national champion and All-American golfer, featured prominently in that uh, series. And speaking of which, Justin was on hand last Saturday for Alabama's win over Arkansas. You mentioned drama a little bit earlier, too. I think all of that applies of late, certainly when we talk about Alabama men's hoops, it's almost a daily situation. TMZ's covering Alabama basketball yeah. at this point. So, yeah. uh, but your thoughts on the Arkansas win and just really what this team has been through, not just over the last week or two. I think that's what's missed in all this. This team's been dealing with a lot for the last month and a half, and that's not to devalue the loss of life where Jamea Harris is concerned. That's where it all stems from. And that is by far the most important thing that you could talk about in relation to all this. But uh, just a season, just a situation unlike any other that I've I've experienced, Tim. I think it's also, I mean, when you're at when you're the when you're the one being hunted, it's a longer season than when you're hunting, in my opinion. And I think Alabama's been hunted since probably at the start of the year, right? I mean, beat he once they beat Houston, climbed into that top three where they basically stayed the whole time. Um, it's been a long season. I mean, every night you're taking the best punch from the, these, you know, the, the season's long anyways for college guys. Guys are coming from high school, and a lot of these guys are coming from high school. So it's already a long season. I think it just begins to wear on you. How many times can you get up? Because I've noticed, you know, the second game, the back end of some of these games, um, Mississippi State jumps to mind. Arkansas jumps to mind. Hasn't been as good as the first one. So I think this is a team. I mean, Auburn obviously is a Easy game to get up for. There'll be a lot of emotions, but I think it's just part of they're ready to do something new and to see another situation scenario being another building. Um, both games were nail biters, you know. Obviously, South Carolina played a uh, played a really good game, but I mean the thing with Alabama, like you know, we went this teams went from a if they don't make their threes, they'll lose team. To uh, if they don't make their threes, they're gonna it's gonna be a closer game. They're gonna be they obviously compete. So it's not just relying on the threes because when they're off on the threes, they've still been winning. Now if they hit those threes, it's gonna be a it's Alabama's gonna be a very mm-hmm. out. So I mean that's kind of where we're at. You know we went from oh gosh if they don't shoot well they'll lose and they don't necessarily shoot well a couple of times, uh, especially against Arkansas from outside the arc. That was that was hard. You're not used to seeing them miss like that at home, but I think this is a pretty complete team. I think they're ready to move on and, um, you know, you know, play these last two games. And, you know, this is it. I mean, they have one home game left. This is it. Everybody who won't be here next year, next week, they got one. They got one road game left this weekend. And then after that, it's all neutral hotels, neutral courts and Ubers, baby. It is. And, um, you know, obviously the Houston win, I think for most people, is going to be at the top of the list. If we talk about best win for Alabama 
to date this season. But I was very impressed with last Saturday against Arkansas because you talked about a long season. It looked like maybe it was starting to show in that first half with everything that's been going on around this team, within this team, uh, trailing by nine against a very confident at the time Arkansas team. Now they went to Tennessee last night and got absolutely thumped in Knoxville. So I think that's dropped back down a good bit for Eric Musselman's team. But going into last Saturday, Arkansas was feeling itself. Nick Smith Jr. in the lineup, good to go. Long athletic team with potentially as many as three first-round picks for Arkansas. Um, The way Alabama took Arkansas apart, especially in the paint in the second half and scoring 58 points, and you said it, while making just six of 21 from three, I think that signaled once again to the rest of college basketball, this isn't the Alabama that has to make 10-plus threes to win against quality opposition. They can beat you by playing pretty good on the defensive end, and they can certainly beat you when they're able to get to the rim. Yeah, I mean, that Arkansas team is confusing. You know, last night was especially, I mean, Tennessee's lead guard um, went down with a knee injury right out of the gate pretty early in the first half. Ziegler. Yeah, the little point guard, Ziegler. Yeah, probably the heart and soul of their team, you know. I mean, that's, that's a heck of a good, you know, person and, and basketball player. And Tennessee just extended that entire game from there. So it was kind of it's kind of hard to figure out this Arkansas team. I mean, it, you know, they got the talent to be a tournament run team. But then again, they're 8-9 in the SEC. They don't seem to always gel together. But in that Alabama game, they played a really good game. Um, Nick Smith, especially, I think he was he was pumped up on they, you know, him and Ingram go back, so that there's a little camaraderie there and a little gamesmanship. But um, uh, yeah, you know, for a team that likes shooting mid range jump shots, you think he would have uh, a practice? <laughs> you think he'd have better results right now? Oh, that Eric Musselman, he's something else, man. I don't mind, you know, I, don't, I like the personalities. I it makes that. it fun. Yeah, it does. Yeah, like I, I, I need him to keep his shirt on. Just, you know, don't take your shirt off. Yeah, that, that's my thing. I mean, there's a certain age you don't, unless you're David Hasselhoff. We hit an age. Yeah, this isn't Baywatch. You know? David was beautiful. He's a beautiful man. He can do that. The rest of us, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you're not a professional surfer, <laughs> rowdy games or somebody, stop. Volleyball player. But, yeah, the Auburn game, I'm excited about it. I mean, Auburn's had its struggles. Lost seven of their last ten, six straight on the road. But, again, a talented team. Um, they go, did I see Alabama's a nine-point favorite? Is that right? Yeah, the line I saw was nine-ten-ish. And you're right. I mean, it's a chance to secure an outright SEC title tonight. Instead of traveling to Texas A&M and having to do it on the road uh, against a team that's feeling better about itself after an eight-point road win over Ole Miss last night, you don't want to go to College Station needing a win go ahead and wrap this thing up tonight against your rival in auburn yeah i agree you know texas a&m is a good basketball i've seen auburn be a good basketball team it's just mm-hmm. some, this year has been you know i think we saw it early on i can't remember what weekend it was but it was like 14 ranked teams lost and 11 lost to unranked opponents it might have been 14 lost to unranked opponents on one weekend i remember keeping that in a thread on the round table and all of us were kind of posting the upsets and it's been a it's been a wild it's been a crazy year. I mean, to see Alabama with only four losses, you know, you know, growing up, I mean, you're like only four. The best teams only had one or one or two. But I mean, it's changed so much that you know, you, four losses. I mean, it's you know, to even get to this stage with four losses is you know, it's doing unbelievable. Houston's got what two, three losses, and they have 
not played a very tough schedule. Their league is not good. Yeah, that's not. They definitely didn't have to deal with the same stuff. Although Houston's a good basketball team. They are, no doubt. Didn't have to compete with some of the stuff Bama did. So, um, you know, it's been a great, you know, it's been a great year. And you want to, you know, again, you have that checklist. And I know winning the SEC was number one on Alabama's checklist. So I don't know if the SEC tournament's on there. I imagine, you know, they'd like to win it. But I think anybody would take the SEC outright championship over an SEC tournament, which is a get hot scenario. Two out of three years it will be if Alabama takes care of business either tonight or Saturday at Texas A&M. You said at Auburn coming in struggling, but a team that gave Alabama all it wanted on its home floor a couple of weekends ago, um, you know, through it all, through everything that this team has uh, been through, some of it, maybe more than some of it, a result of its own doing, it, it just continues to stack win and to stack wins. And um, that scrutiny, though, isn't going away anytime soon. And I think you said it earlier in, in relation to this team being the team with kind of the target on it and being a top three team. Uh, with everything else that's going on around this team, uh, the scrutiny just ratchets up a little bit more each and every time it takes the court. Hey, let's talk some Alabama football coaching news, Tim, as Robert Bala has been added to the Alabama coaching staff. You had a few nuggets for us there on the roundtable, the premium message board at BamaOnline.com in relation to Robert Bala, a guy who is, I would say, taken the road last travel during his coaching odyssey. But here he is, inside linebackers coach at Alabama. Yeah, I mean, it was I had this guy I wasn't very familiar with. He's obviously West Coast. I mean, he's been uh, he's with Palomar College and junior college. Now, look, I can tell you all this. And I called over a dozen coaches to ask them the worst job in the business. High school, college, pro, junior college. And unanimously said junior college is by far the worst, the hardest uh, the most difficult to deal with, uh, just several reasons. So this guy's cut his teeth and, like you said, certainly paid his dues to get where he is. I didn't know a lot about him. I found a couple of loose connections to him. Um, I think Hugh Freeze talked about what a smart guy he is. What I can tell you is he did really well in the interviews. I know people involved, talked to sources involved, involved in the process. The guy was smart. He came off very well. He had a West Coast presence. Um, Alabama's always, you know, looking to recruit the West Coast. So I think he'll, you know, I think he'll be out there recruiting. Obviously has beaten some bushes if he's been in college this long out there and has made some connections. So, um, you know, you bring him back. I think I've, I think right now he'll have the West Coast and the Panhandle. And I think Austin Anderson's uh, area, which is going to be Mobile and some other areas, is going to go to Kevin Steele, who also got Montgomery replacing Charles Kelly, who went to, to, to went to Colorado. So that's, uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, everybody had good things to say. You know, I talked to coaches that are pretty honest. They didn't really know a lot about his coaching experience, but the ones that did, they kept referring to how smart he was, how easy he was to get in a room. And again, this is a room where you got Kevin Steele. You're not really worried about inside linebackers as much um, as you might've been because Kevin Steele can always contribute there. He absolutely can. And I like, too, Bala's resume shows a guy who's coached across the defense, really, and especially when you consider the back end, corner, safety, inside linebacker. And you talk about some of the trials and tribulations this guy has faced 
uh, as a coach coming up the ranks. You said it, man. Just California JUCOs in general. Did you know they don't offer athletic scholarships in yeah. California junior colleges? It's insane. They did a uh, what's our show uh, last chance? Last chance, you the yeah, Laney. Yeah, and I was and basketball. These guys were literally eating eating canned beans and living in very small apartments and struggling to even get around. It's amazing. You're right. No scholarships, and there's a ton of them out there. So. Um, I think they're pretty loose, fancy-free with them moving around, too. So very, very much a tough gig to, like, try to, to try to lock down. So in terms of the dynamics of this defensive staff, essentially with Austin Armstrong moving on from inside linebackers, this is plug-and-play with Bala uh, at the inside linebacker position and the setup of the staff anyway, I guess, Tim, pretty much what it was going to be with Armstrong just now with Robert Bala. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously Armstrong was a guy. We reported that when, you know, the question when Nick Saban hires these guys, the first post is always who, you know, nobody knows who they are. But um, obviously Austin Armstrong ended up, you know, three weeks later after who ended up the uh, SEC uh, coordinator for Billy Napier, um, which was interesting. I did not expect that. I'm not sure anybody expected it. Uh, I knew Armstrong had G8 or something for Billy. He'd been over there in that capacity, but um, I'm not sure a lot of people expected that move to happen so quick, but it did, and um, and I will tell you this, you know, Armstrong had a lot of connections. I talked about this on the on the podcast and on the board. He had a ton of in-state connections. Bama was his dream school, and I think this decision was actually tougher than most people think. I think he really struggled a little bit with leaving so quickly, and, you, you, you know, there is that you get how many more chances do you get to coach under Nick Saban? Let's be real. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Say he's five. You got five, say a five-year window. You got five years to say I learned under Nick Saban. Um, but then again, you got an SEC. What's Florida? Top five school in the nation. Top ten. So you yeah, got SEC job there. So there's goods and bads. You know, Billy's a little bit under the hot seat over there. Florida. You know, not really his fault in my opinion. That whole NIL deal. As we've said before, that was not his that, – that debacle was not on him, but it's going to reflect on him. So mm-hmm. uh, he needs a big year, in my opinion. Yeah, if I'm Billy Napier after the Rashada stuff and the NIL debacle that you just talked about, if I wasn't involved before, they damn sure going to feel me now. Because as you said, it may not directly involve me, but who's, who's it a reflection upon as the head coach of the football team? And also, it sucks he's even got to be involved in that because he's a first-time head coach, you know, yeah. at, at that level. Power five, and, yeah. Yes, he's dealing with, you know, he's trying to out-recruit Alabama, Georgia, a, a resurgent FSU and a Miami footloose and fancy, fancy free with the NIL. He's got a lot of stuff he's battling, Georgia, Alabama, all these schools plus the in-state schools. LSU's another one that dips into Florida. So it's unfortunate he's even got to, you know, got to deal with that. Yeah, you know, I've had some people ask me, what do you think if he had even the co-DC title at Alabama to go along with inside linebackers? Do you think Austin Armstrong would have hung around kind of like Pete Golding had when he came to Alabama, uh, I guess, in 2018, first as the co-DC and then with Tosh in that one year as the as the DC? I don't know. I don't know the answer. to that. Here's what I know. He's 29 years old. He's been offered the opportunity to run the defense at 
an elite power five program. I know that Florida has been down a little bit, been up and down, certainly since the departure of Urban Meyer. Uh, And I also know he had a relationship with Billy Napier at Louisiana. I I tend to think it's more along those lines because it is a gamble, as you said. And I know Florida fans love to talk about Billy being a program builder or they did a year ago. But after this last season, that program builder crap goes out the window. And now year two, you better start showing some significant strides. Yeah. And, you know, for Armstrong, it is a, you know, this, this could be a major home run win by turning around the Florida defense. Cause if they're good, he's going to get a lot of credit for it, obviously. So again, I think that's pretty much any job, you know, high risk, high reward type of situation. But again, you're getting paid a lot of money to take those risks. So, um, and this this isn't, as you just alluded to, you're not leaving Alabama to go to even Mississippi State, okay? You're going to Florida where there is the potential to hit it. There, there's no doubt about that. There's no reason why Florida shouldn't be right there with Georgia in the East Florida, every single year. Yeah, if Florida straightens out their NIL, if they get their uh, NIL number, in the number, not number, if they get their NIL situation under control, that's a pretty desirable job. That's a big, again, that's a big university. They should be right there with Georgia, as you said, uh, competing, and that's at a very high level. And, you know, obviously with Alabama at that same level, Georgia can do Florida can do it. They've done it before. You know, it's not like we're saying, you know, it hasn't been as long as, say, an FSU. All right, so before we get into some spring football as it relates to the Crimson Tide, let's talk some Alabama at the ongoing NFL Combine, Tim, up in Indianapolis. Alabama with the most invitees in college football with 13 players representing, former players representing UA at the event. Now, we've heard in the last couple of days, Bryce Young not going to throw, do any on-the-field testing. Sounds like Will Anderson's going to do some on the field work with the linebackers on Thursday. Uh, but let's start with Bryce and kind of your reaction to the news that he's not going to do uh, really anything from an on the field standpoint. I don't think there's any question about his arm, right? I mean, was there any question about what kind of passer he is? I think everything with him is going to be the measurement. And even then, I don't think it's going to be. I don't know anybody expecting Bryce to go in there and hit six foot two. No. So um, I think it really just comes down to I'm not surprised because he is, a, you know, he is a competitor. I mean, the guy came back senior year, you know, last year, junior year, played his last game um, and played really well. So I don't think passing's a big issue. Quarterbacks are going to throw it around. That's about all they do um, in those drills anyways. They know what kind of passer he is. I guess with him it's about measurements. Will, I'm not sure. When you get to a certain point, it's almost risk versus, you know, reward. Yeah, I'm not sure what else you know Will could prove um, right now as far as an athlete goes. Um, so I'm not surprised by it. I mean, I'm may, I don't know people making a big deal about it. I haven't even paid attention to. Uh, a lot of, well, I, I think it's a big deal with Bryce because it impacts the coverage of the event, right? I mean, it's become okay. That's it's damn. become a televised spectacle, and so, so long, dude, you know these. People, I know. About major leagues too long. Shoot, they this, want they, they want all the stars running, throwing, doing drill work. Sure, I don't blame Bryce at all. I think you said it. I think Bryce could go to Indianapolis, get measured, get weighed, go through his medicals, get that out of the way. Interviews is going to do the it. interviews where he's going to absolutely kill it. 
and then say, you know what, guys, I'll see you at Pro Day in Tuscaloosa coming up in a few weeks. You're right, though. From a visual, if I paid tickets for this, I'd be irritated. Bryce isn't throwing. Well, Um, and and there's there's this narrative where people are waiting to jump on Bryce and and send his stock, at least from the public perspective, the draft analyst perspective, drop him. Yeah. And and here's the thing. Bryce goes and throws with all the other quarterbacks. It's it's not even going to be about the throws he makes, Tim. Every response would be, man, look how much shorter he is than C.J. Stroud. Look how much shorter he is than Will Levis. You know what I'm saying? You put him in that group of quarterbacks, Remember, cause it was, and that's that's what the reaction is going to be. He yeah. could drop dimes for an hour and a half Remember when in was, Indianapolis, and yeah. it, it wouldn't make a dent in that narrative. You remember when it was a big deal how much shorter he was than DJ? Exactly. That's what I was thinking of when I sure, thought of DJ. But I don't know. I wouldn't throw with no. everybody else. I know? think I think he's fine. I mean, not not because of what NFL teams think of me, because ninety five percent of what actual thought is given to these prospects by NFL teams doesn't line up with Todd McShay or Mel Kiper Jr. or these guys. I don't it doesn't. How his height's more scrutinized than Kyler Murray. You know what? You know what they scrutinize. Do you not feel that Bryce is more scrutinized for his height than Kyler Murray? They scrutinize tape. And you Kyle, know? and Anthony Richardson is a draft darling right now because I get all the fifteen to twenty second clips of Anthony Richardson splash plays on my timelines that I can handle, and and they're they're impressive. But you, you think that's what NFL teams focus on with it? They go after your defects. They want to see why did you throw three picks against this team? You know, why did you guys lose to Kentucky a couple of years in a row or whatever it was? That's the stuff they want to get answers to. Yeah, if, it, if they're going to me, Bryce, it wouldn't surprise me. Bad teams are usually drafting at the top, and they usually do bad things. That's why they're. <laughs> That's why they're the same top 10 team every just, year. Just so, at my Jags next time. All right, Tim? That's actually hit. It's, they did. No, they, lately they have. I'm proud of them. Yeah. Number one pick last year. That was, that was a tough uh, When they could have taken Sauce Gardner. But like, don't get me yeah, started it was a, on that. It was a tough, yeah, it was a tough. They could have taken Hutchinson, who had a pretty good year. And, and Hutchinson, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, again, you're playing the upside game with the NFL. And they're all about that. They're all about production matters. But it really, to some degree, is a beauty contest. You know, we've seen guys leap up there. Anthony Richards even being considered in the first round is nothing that would have ever happened while we were growing up. That would no. ne- that would never have been even a possible. Oh, well, Anthony Richardson would have moved positions when we were growing up. He wouldn't still be a quarterback, Tim. I mean, that's, that's just the, the honest truth. And I'm not saying that in a way that's, meant to be let's go back to the old days i'm happy for anthony richardson that he's remained a quarterback and he's going to get his shot as a quarterback but if we're being honest about things 15 20 years ago you know anthony richardson would be at the combine as what an h-back or a linebacker or something he's a freaky athlete now he probably (laughs) he probably he could do anything but tell you this though here's what i've learned with the nfl draft which i've followed and loved for a long time, even as a kid, basically in early teens, is that they're going to want because you can't say Bryce Young's number one, for instance, and walk away. That's no fun. That's no fun. We got to say Nevis is number one or 
Stroud's we got too much time. Yeah, yeah got we, got, we got to fill time. It's, it's got nothing to do with Bryce. It could be if Anthony Richardson was number one, they would be breaking him down, and then there'd be the rumors that, uh-oh, teams are looking harder at you know Stroud or Bryce Young. So that's just the way this is going to go. I mean, they're going to keep the discussion going. Nobody really knows. I mean, nobody really knows exactly. We don't even know. Hell, the Bears have the number one pick. They haven't even traded it yet. You know, so if they do end up keeping it, if they don't get their value, we sure as hell know a quarterback's probably not going number one over Justin Fields. Although I did see that rumor not long ago that they were leaning towards trading fields. Yeah, I'm, I'm not banging on Anthony Richardson, by the way, as I said. Good for him. Going to get his opportunity likely as a first-round pick to play quarterback in the National Football League. Maybe he'll prove to be the love child of Michael Vick and Josh Allen, for all we know. But here's what I hope. I hope Bryce Young does, in fact, fall below the Texans in Indianapolis. As a fan of an AFC South team, yeah, I'm great with that. I wouldn't like it for Bryce's bank account, maybe. But as a fan of an AFC South team, hell yeah. I hope the Texans and Colts are both that dumb to let him slide beyond their picks. I'm never worried about Bryce's bank account. <laughs> it's already better than mine will ever be. No, that young man does not need. I'm not sure he needs. I think he can go straight to broadcasting. You know, <laughs> uh, obviously he's did some things there. Yeah, but I agree. I mean, it's a it's a lot of talk. I mean, to me, I'm more worried. You know, I'm not worried. I'm sorry. I'm more curious to see how some guys. You know, for me, the discussion. I don't care if Will or you know Bryce. You know, they go top five, top ten, whatever. They're great players. They're going to get drafted high. They're going to you know they're going to have good careers. I'm, I want to see where Brian Branch goes. I want to see mm-hmm. where Gibbs goes. There's guys like that. And at the same time, I'm really watching hard for J- Jordan Battle, who I've got really good feedback from NFL teams. Um, Tyler Steen's got really good feedback from NFL teams. And Byron Young, he's a guy that could really increase his stock as well. So the top two guys, it's good for discussion. But for me, there's so many guys. Like I'm not sure if Ricks is even getting drafted. Eli Ricks, but there's some people that think he will end up in the top three rounds, but I've talked to some people that say he's completely off draft boards. So wow. it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. That's the kind of guys I'm like seeing. I mean, I'm, if Eli runs, uh, I really want to see what he runs. I want yeah. to see how fast he is and how athletic he is. I know he's a good football player, long arms, <clears throat> good instincts, aggressive and all that. Curious to see how he tests. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of uncertainty with some of these guys. I think Cameron Latou can make someone real, someone someone really like him as athletic as he is. So rest of these names pretty interesting on there. Bryson Wilkes fun. Um, Brian's another one. I think they're all going to end up getting exactly you know what we thought they would and and certainly deserve it. I think top you know probably top three guys in that Alabama class. So it's going to be fun oh, to watch. Running backs run on Sunday. Jameer Gibbs could put on a show, couldn't he? Hey, I've got guys, I have got NFL guys telling me, more than one, that he is the top back on their board. I know Bijan Robinson, who's also a really good back, but the deciding factor, if you're a team that likes to hit that guy out of the backfield, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe even special teams to some degree, he's going to be a guy that's pretty attractive to you, I think. More explosive than Bijan Robinson. I love Bijan Robinson, but I think think some of his issues at the next level are going to be similar to what Najee Harris deals with Najee's kind of that guy too. Uh, consistently can get you eight to 10 to 12, or at least he could in college. It's tougher as we know in the NFL, but is B. John Robinson going to hit for chunk runs 
at the next level. I, 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 to me, that's where I could see totally that a team would go with Jameer Gibbs because uh, that guy's going to do that uh, even a, a, in the NFL. I, I think you hit on it, too. A lot of mid-round type of guys going into this thing, mid to late round guys for Alabama going into this thing in Indianapolis, Tim, with, with the opportunity to, to move up or move down, I guess. I, yeah, I agree. They have the one I'm watching really the closest. I really want to see what's going to happen with a guy like Tyler Steen and Byron Young. Mm-hmm. The feedback on them is pretty consistent, and everyone seems to think, you know, that both mostly when I talk to my NFL guys, they're basically, you know, second day could move up, you know, to early second day. They sort of give me that. But those are two names mentioned a lot. Byron Young, I think when you look at his highlight tape, you look at the lack of interior defensive linemen or defensive linemen in the NFL and how important they are. I think he might be an attractive guy. Also, Jordan Battle, again, his name comes up a lot. I mean, I know Alabama mm-hmm. blaming for some stuff, but uh, there was a talk that he wasn't completely healthy uh, this season. But he's a, he's a guy his name comes up a lot. So a lot on the line, not so much for Bryce and Will. I mean, obviously they're going to make – you know, they're going to make millions of dollars regardless where they go. Branch is pretty safe. Gibbs is that guy. Is he going to be a late first rounder, like, you know, similar to Najee, or is he going to be a more early second rounder like Derrick Henry, mid to early? So that's kind of the range he's looking at. But a lot of people like him. Yeah, there's some position versatility with Steen, too, that I think you like. Uh, obviously, you want him to be a tackle. Uh, but he has background working inside at guard as well. Byron Young's been a consistent guy the last couple of years for Alabama. Could see him having a Damian Square type of NFL career. Damian Square, a lot of people don't talk about, but he's he ended up playing, I think, eight, nine, ten years in the NFL because, as you said, there's such value uh, in interior defensive line types. So it uh, should be an interesting stretch of days coming up here. In Indianapolis, no doubt about that. And then we're going to roll that right into spring practice at Alabama. I think we're a little more than a week away from getting things cranked up for 2023 spring drills in Tuscaloosa. Obviously, the quarterback battle uh, is going to be front and center. Uh, And we'll get into more of that maybe coming up here in the mailbag, by the way. Uh, But, man, early enrollees, Tim, have basically become what redshirt freshmen and sophomores used to be in that. Instead of going into year two or maybe even year three as prospects for the two deep and special teams, that's fallen more to more and more to newcomers with the transfer portal and the movement that we've seen uh, on rosters in the last couple of years, especially uh, you're, you're counting on early enrollees to come in. Alabama's got 24 of those this time around, plus two transfers and Trez Marshall and CJ Dupree. Uh, let's just talk about an area or two where we'll be especially interested to to see if some of the new guys might make an impact. You take one, I'll take one, and then maybe we'll take an area that that one might surprise us uh, that they make uh, you know an indelible mark on that that particular area. Yeah, you know I'm so spoiled. I think that when I was looking at this this morning, it reminded me how bad I wanted to see Keon Keeley and Yonzi Pierre in the spring game. So we yeah. Had- or 28 are there, and I still was wishing there was others. That's how spoiled this class is at this stage. I mean, for me, impact guys, I'll take the low-hanging fruit. I really expect C.J. Dupre to be a big part of that, to be a big part of that offense pretty quickly. Um, big guy, and you know that not a lot of tape as far as uh, exactly, not a lot of tape as far as like 
what you would expect. But what we saw was very athletic. I'm not going to say he's Travis Kelsey or any of that stuff, but he's a big guy. He was athletic. He was jumping people. He can run. All the feedback on him is good. His mindset's good. Ohio State went pretty, you know, went pretty hard on him, which had been his dream school in Alabama, did a good job for him. So obviously that tight end position is one they wanted to add. Um, you know, add a guy, I got a guy to, and, and they did. Yeah, I think even as an extension of tight end with, uh, especially with uh, Tommy Reese coming in to to run that offense and, and the emphasis that there's going to be on tight ends, even if you extend it out to uh, wide receiver uh, in, in, in that spot. Yes, you return Jermaine Burton and Ja'Cory Brooks at wide receiver, but man, you look at some of these early enrollees with Malik Benson coming from the junior college level. Um, you've got uh, Jalen Hale coming in, a big-time prospect from the state of Texas. Uh, you've got Cole Adams coming in as an early enrollee. Jaron Hamilton, I know you like him a lot, is maybe more of a sleeper type from Gainesville Buholtz High School as an early enrollee. I, I think wide receiver tight end in general uh, on the offensive side could be uh, some, 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 some opportunities there. Again, once you get beyond, especially Burton and, and Ja'Cory Brooks, and, and that's not to say Isaiah Bond and Kobe Prentice and the guys we saw last year, young guys aren't going to be right there in that mix. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, my next guy would be Caleb, obviously at safety. He's probably the most likely in my, I mean, it's going to be hard to keep him off the field at all in the secondary guys been studying the defense for a year, basically. And, Tremendous athlete, one of the best guys we saw. But we're certainly going to see him early on special teams, probably. Um, if he's not a starter, we're going to see him pretty quick. And that, you know, that's kind of an infusion. We had, to me, does it not seem like we had the same safeties for like 25 years? You know, between DeMarco and Battle, it just seemed like we saw those guys for like a dozen years. I mean, they seemed to, they were, you know, obviously they're fourth, fifth year guys. They've been there a while. But we haven't really seen anything new. And to see Caleb, Lose a lot of experience, but you get as high end of a safety as you're going to find at, in any class. Yeah, with Branch moving on, too. I mean, he's essentially a, a third safety, although he had cornerback traits as well, working at that star position. So uh, it's a pretty mass exodus back there at those uh, three positions when you, you put them all together. I'll, I'll get back to offense. I Man, I think the offensive line, interior, tackle, even just from a depth standpoint, I think you're in a little better position inside at guard uh, in terms of realistic numbers uh, of legitimate options. But when you look at tackle, it's pretty much J.C. Latham, Elijah Pritchard, and then new guys, these four newcomers, early enrollees that are set to get going in Tuscaloosa coming up here in the next week or so. Caden Proctor, Wilkin Formby, Ola Salinan, Miles McVeigh, uh, big time opportunity at tackle for some of these guys. Absolutely, you know, and again, Proctor, you know, we talked about that closing out that class. They had a couple of needs, and they had offensive tackle and cover corner boundary guy, and they ended up with Caden Proctor and Desmond Ritz, two of the best in the country, not just the best available, but best in the country. So, obviously, a huge get. Everyone likes Caden. I do too. I mean, it's hard not to like the guy. It's coming from Iowa. Speed of the game is about to be a little bit different. It's going to have to pick it up a little bit. But you've got guys like Olas who are very competitive. Miles is a big monster of a guy. <clears throat> His biggest question is going to be 
conditioning? Can he get down 20, 25 pounds or, you know, you know, down from that 360 range um, and compete? So you're looking at guys that are going to come in that are strong. Obviously, we talked about it. Wolf, the offensive line coach, Wolford, he's got a tight, and he's got the big, strong guys that can come in and, um, you know, have a chance to contribute for sure. I look, when I flip it over back to the offense, it's hard. I don't know how we went this far without talking about Justice Haynes. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's a guy. I mean, you know, I think it's you got running backs on campus that are good that we like, obviously. But I think Justice is going to be another that's just too good to keep off that field and um, explosive, thick, strong. You know, this spring game is going to have really some of the best storylines that I can remember. I mean, obviously, like you said, the quarterback battle is going to be fun. But even the quarterback battle, you've got freshmen. You know, we're going to get a chance to see Eli Holstein. I don't know if Longer is playing. Do you do you know if he's playing? I don't know if I don't know what his availability is going to be like in terms of his health. We'll, we'll okay, find yeah. that out here soon. Well, we get a chance to look at Eli, really highly recruited guy out of Louisiana. So the, the quarterback battle is obviously one. But really, at every position, you know, we've got somebody, including Justin Jefferson, the linebacker, who we expect to compete, I think, right? Absolutely. And with Trez Marshall coming in from Georgia in that inside linebacker room, there's it's more than just Robert Bala when we talk about newness at inside linebacker for Alabama, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that might need some name tags here in the next week or so at that spot. They've had, you know, they've been there since January, middle of early January. They've had times to get to know each other. So that that's certainly going to help. But um, yeah, I mean, Tresman Marshall, I'm looking He's healthy. You know, I, I don't know what to make of Tresman Marsh. I know people that thought pretty highly of him behind some monster Georgia linebackers, really good linebacking core. But he also was injured a lot, too. So if he's healthy, maybe get the best version of him, um, you know, to, you know, to kick that thing off. I think you said it. I think the injuries at Georgia certainly at least contributed to him sort of missing his window post Nicobe Dean and those guys, Quay Walker. Uh, and, and then you know, he's a third guy, essentially, it sounded like for 2022. And, you know, maybe maybe if he's healthy, he still doesn't want a job. We don't know that. But you said it. He's removed enough from the knee injury at this point to think that Alabama is getting him at his best, at least in a few years uh, with, with what they're getting in in Trez Marshall. Um, hey, let's uh, let's talk a little baseball while we're at it. We'll get in the mailbag in just a minute. I know you love baseball. We got to talk some baseball. Alabama baseball off to a perfect start. We've been arguing all week on the round table. Yeah. Baseball people. Yeah. Yeah. It's that time of year. Alabama baseball off to a perfect start. It's kind of disappointed. You know, not that I think Pepperdine is the 27 Yankees or anything, (laughs) but it would have been at least interesting to see this Alabama team go out to Southern California play on the road in entirely different conditions against a team like Pepperdine and and see how it would have fared. Now, you know, it stayed home instead, managed to to sweep high point in Tuscaloosa. I'll say this, and and, and I know people hear this and they ah Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State a lot of years has a pretty good baseball program, pretty good baseball team. And that score on Tuesday that wasn't indicative of what you usually see from Alabama in recent years, at least, against in-state low majors, um, low D, lower D1s. Because Jacksonville State uh, can give you all they want 
in most seasons. Give you all you want. But, boy, that was a taking a part of the Gamecocks. And it, it looks like, Tim, based on the schedule, it might really be until the start of SEC play when Alabama opens against Florida uh, that we get a, a true measuring stick type of series for this for this team. Yeah, I think so. I will say this. We've seen in the past where Alabama's lost that midweek game sure. to a Jacksonville State. So, I mean, I've watched every one of these games, and I tell you, they 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 kicked the crap out of them almost. You know, they've had two close games. Um, they had the comeback uh, last weekend, but they, for the most part, they go out and they are they are laying the wood on these guys. I mean, they are they are beating them down pretty good. That offense scores. They've been clutched. Several times when they had jams, when the pitchers came in, the shortstop's phenomenal. He's made some great plays that I've seen. So, fun team. And I agree. I mean, it's baseball. I mean, I don't know if Richmond or Tennessee Tech or High Point are any good. I know sometimes I look up and I see in the sub-regionals names I don't really know. But, um, yeah, they're not really going to. I mean, the first road game, Sunday or Tuesday the 7th, and that's going to be at Sanford. And then, you know, the next road game is going to be – the next week, Tuesday, at South Alabama. So still in the state. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> but then they end up in Florida, and I'm assuming Florida is going to be pretty good. Yeah, you can almost uh, bet on that, that Florida, at least from a roster perspective, uh, not just because of how well they recruit, but they are also in one of those states where they get the uh, – they get the uh, the money, the state money that certainly helps a lot of money that helps you recruit uh, in a sport like baseball. So what about this deal, though, at the major league level, professional baseball, Tim? I know it's caused a lot of debate both on BamaOnline.com and elsewhere. We've got pitch clocks. We've got batter clocks now. Uh, what have you thought about this so far? That's a really good debate, too. I think it's just two different mindsets. Uh on the round table for me, like baseball's the sport. I don't expect it to move very fast. You know what I mean? I don't, I know there, I grew up with Nomar Garcia-Faro checking everything, including his, you know, his shoe strings and his jock strap. So it took him for, you know, he, he had a routine. I played baseball. My kids played baseball. We watch a ton of baseball. I'll never go to a game going, man, I hope this thing's over quick. I'm not driving to Atlanta two and a half hours to sit at a two hour game and drive two and a half hours back. And I don't care if you're at home. You don't really – I don't really think – I watch every Braves game basically to some degree. If I'm late, I tape it. I catch up with it later. If I'm gone, I tape it. If anything happened, I go back and watch it. But I'm here most nights watching it on the fire TV. If you're at home, I, I don't really – I mean, to me, I don't care that you need to save 30 or 45 minutes. You don't have to watch it. You know what I mean? Where When I'm at home, I love baseball. But if I have something better to do, I do something better. You know what I mean? I don't say yeah. I'm not going to the movies with the kids. Now, this, uh, if you commit to 160, <laughs> it's absurd saying it, 162-game season, I think it is. If you commit to that, you can't really be in a rush, in my opinion, to get through it. <laughs> I think you can speed it up. I just felt this was kind of fast. You get Pitcher has like 20 seconds to pitch. Guy's got to be in the batter box by eight seconds. The overall pitch clock's 30 seconds. The bases are bigger. You know, it's, uh, to me, it's maybe moving along too fast because I saw a game the other day that was two hours. I've seen a lot of games that were two and a half hours, so we're cutting an hour off of that time. And, you know, what I'd say to the people saying, I need more time, well, why don't we just speed up football? 
Let's get that bad boy down to an hour and a half. You got another hour and a half in your It's day? coming. I think I do think that's coming. Well, yeah. I just I don't think it's necessarily I get some of the speed ups, but you can't only speed up so much with the commercials they have. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's they, all that's gonna be the catch with all of it, regardless of well, that's the thing. It's, we're losing. Is that they still gotta get their commercials in. They still gotta get their advertisers well, taken you care of. You ever watch the football game where they kick off, they go to commercial. They kick off and they go back to commercial. (laughs) That's because they can sell it. If they can sell it, they're going to do it. Yeah, I just don't like baseball to me is strategic. It's like chess, you know. I wouldn't like to watch or play speed chess. What they're going to come up with in all these sports, I think, is in-game commercials. In other words, during the the play of the game – you know, it's going to become more yeah. this this double play brought to you by Allstate, um, good hands team. You know, you know stuff like that. I, I, I think that's where we're going to just do yeah. away with outright breaks to commercials. How about a commercial when the 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 coach goes to talk to the pitcher? Yeah. You don't really need two minute break, but you sure got time for a thirty or sixty second break, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I and I and I know they can hold that game for a second to to finish getting that commercial in. They have guys at all these games. So um, one of the things that I do like about uh, the Golf Channel and its coverage of events is that they have they've gone now with this playing through uh, dynamic of their coverage where it's split screen. They will they, there will be a commercial on the right side of the screen, but yeah. on the left side of the screen, it continues with the. The, the golf, the cover, you know what I mean? The live coverage. Maybe, maybe that's something we're going to see eventually. Yeah, you know, the premier league games play and they, they go a whole half without, you know, with any kind of a mm-hmm. kind of commercial. So it's doable. I'm not saying it's probably viable, but I mean, it's, it's to me, I don't mind. I don't, you know, it's like John Wooden said, you know, be quick, but don't hurry. I don't want to, I, I want you to be quick. I don't want to feel rushed. Right. That, that, right. that's me. I don't want to, and again, you know, for me, the experience of going to the baseball game, I'm not going there hurrying, trying to get out at nine o'clock. Right. I can leave in the seventh inning. You, know? you can leave whenever you want. Yeah, I, I go to a lot of minor league baseball games, double A baseball games. Uh, yes. Yeah, and I, I don't ever stay for all nine innings. You know. Yeah. I, I stay. I'll stay through the seventh. And sometimes that's because it's thirsty Thursday, and that's when they cut off the beer sales. But, um, you know what I mean. I get other people's stances too. <laughs> One of the posters made a good stance. He's a he's a younger guy, got kids, so he doesn't have much time to watch it. But you know, one of the things I've done, you want to cut down. Here's a here's a here's a multitasking tip. You want to cut down, go to dinner at six while you're taping the game, come back at seven, go through this rapid process you want to catch up, and you've cut an hour off that game. Yeah. You're at a two minute, ten minute mark if you do that. There's not a lot of um of what the action you're looking for pitching the hit. So uh, I'm excited about baseball though. Yeah. It's that time of year. Absolutely. It's also time to head to the round table and dive into this week's T Watson TR mailbag. You ready to do it, Tim? I am. Big Bama boy gets us going. He says, we've had great snippets on the UA game uh, and the junior day. Uh, is he talking about the Under Armour? Um, perhaps you could go into depth with some of the lesser known prospects. Also, how does one qualify Tim for junior day when you are a freshman or sophomore in high school? 
Um, well, I'll be honest. The the recruiting stuff really for me, a lot of this is just um, a lot of the offers you're seeing or get you to camp offers, not from Alabama. I'm talking nationally. So as we've said a lot of times, Bama wants to get you to camp and other schools too, obviously. But that's really going to be when that big push comes. We've seen it. June camp's not that far away. They'll have a huge thing um, with guys. So that board, so to speak, really isn't set. Uh, but it will be coming, you know, it will be coming more clear with as guys they've seen in camp previously, guys they want to see into camp and all that. As far as um, junior day, I think that's just a name. You know, I mean, junior day rings better. It might as well be under underclassman day, you know. But it started with the majority of juniors. And then, and they try to still keep it that way. I mean, you you want to you know you bring in a few elite sophomores and freshmen who who and technically are on into their actual senior, junior, and sophomore day. But um, uh, yeah, I mean it's just a, it's just a title. Uh, Tuscaloosa here on the on the roundtable in the roundtable mailbag. He kind of went on a bender, uh, and we appreciate the questions, but. Yeah, uh, Tuscaloosa, he, he he went he he's on one here. Um, if you had to guess, what would Saban's time be on the forty yard dash? Uh, I think it would probably be in the fours because kind of like the noontime basketball, where Nick used to pick who could guard him. You know, he would probably say, "Yeah, I'll I'll run the forty, but I'm running it from like twenty, you know, I something like that." It's probably going to be in the four eight range because he's going to time himself. Exactly, and just I, like he, I, yeah, he's. Eight yards into the sprint, he clicks it on, and then about seven yards short, he clicks it off, and he's got a four-eight-three. This sort of circles back to our combine talk. Tuscaloosa asking, who are we expecting to have the best showing at the combine? I guess it's relevant to you know your position, and um, what about a guy who who might surprise? I guess at the combine because we're expecting Jameer Gibbs to run exceptionally well and will to look good and whatever he does. Um, Brian branch. I mean, I, I think, I think relative to how well known he was going into this process. Um, I guess Brian could still be that guy that, that wows folks as we continue to move through it. Yeah. I don't know what, to expect from Brian, I know that like I'm, I know that his film is is his first round film, and I don't think that's going to change for a lot of people. Now, I will warn with safeties, we've seen those guys fall to the very end of the first or the second. We've seen ah probably go a little bit too low. Well, I think he went 21, 23 range, and then we've seen uh, Landon fall into the second round. We see some guys, Xavier McKinney. Come on, man, that guy was a first round pick all day, and ended yeah. up. In- second but that's just position priority you know Jacksonville's feasted there I feel like they've got a couple of good safeties in that second round in the past so I think uh branches that that's I'm not sure what he'll run now I know out of high school that you know he was at camp in Georgia Georgia didn't think he was fast enough and that's why they didn't offer him um at the time I think they had him in the camp and he was four or six but um I don't know there's not really like a you know world beater tester in this group you know Gibbs yeah, it, Gibbs 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 could do Gibbs, Gibbs should do really well yeah I think in terms of the glam numbers and events at the combine that that would be the guy Jameer when you talk about speed quickness you know, twitch those type of things he would be a good bet no doubt about it uh Tuscaloosa again 
He says UA has bungled the PR portion of the Brandon Miller ordeal. How many staffers get fired for this? I'm going to say this, Tuscaloosa. Um, there, there is enough accountability to go around. I don't, I don't know if some of those folks are in a position to, to fire many people because there's been mistakes. I think you could say at the AD level, at the coaching level, on the roster. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if you can fire everybody that that's involved in that situation. There's been like drop balls by several people. I don't think it's one person. Right. That would be easy. You know what I mean? That'd be an easy. I mean, there's always the potential for a sacrificial lamb. I get that or throwing one. I, but I don't know how you do that. And, uh, and, and, and don't have to, to really do some introspection, uh, prior to, to going that route. Right. I mean, you said it multiple. And, and here's the thing I'll say about Nate too, as far as, First of all, sports information, those type of things, thankless job, never would want it. I mean, when you just think about the working conditions at a place like Alabama, the offices at UA are literally like in the basement of Coleman Coliseum. You know, there's like no windows down there. It's it's pretty dreadful, the condition. So I, I feel for those folks. And also, I'll say this, not that I'm defending any particular aspect of this ordeal, as Tuscaloosa referred to it. But Nate, I love how transparent Nate is. I mean, I love Nate Oates at the podium or because he'll just put it out there. You know what I'm saying? But that can be a nightmare if you're in the PR business or you're in sports information and you find yourself in this type of situation. That's where working with Nate can can be difficult. I speak, you know, and I understand I speak Nate Oates. I mean, you've known me a long time. I was, oh, yeah. I was out there that I believe are funny that I don't mean to be offensive. And I'm not saying Nate does this, but I'm loose with the tongue sometimes just trying to be, a, you know, trying to make somebody laugh or whatever. And it comes off as insensitive or I haven't really did the research. I'm being flipping and all that stuff. I don't think he was doing that in this situation with this. But when you're, you know, you've seen the guy, you know, you've seen him. Wait, he's still waiting on the handshake from Houston last year. You know, he's still right. half court. We've seen the guy. You know, not be shy. We've seen, you know, Auburn, that was our Super Bowl. And we've seen the guy that's, you know, he's got a little cockiness to him. I don't think he took the situation lightly at all. But, no. I, I I mean, let's be honest. I don't, I, w- I don't know. Uh, me, I've had few words on it. I don't know how to handle it. No. I mean, I don't really have, you know, I know, I know. I don't there's know. no, there's no manual for this situation. Yeah, I'm not, that's not, that's not me. There's people, yeah, definitely not me. That being said, you do have people in place whose level of expertise and background is it's there. They're there to, to help you through any situation. And uh, it's been a difficult one, no doubt for Alabama throughout this. Um, Tuscaloosa again, what's your favorite chicken restaurant, Tim? It's her. I mean, he knows it's church. He knows it's Popeye's. I mean, for him, questions. I like, I like Popeye's too. If we're just talking chain chicken. Yeah. I mean, Popeye's hard to beat. Yeah, I just. I what just, about a what about breakfast fried chicken places? For me, it's Bojangles. I mean, I'm getting that Cajun chicken fillet with a Hardy's, cheese skirt on there. Hardy's has a really good. Hardy's does. Good. Yeah. Yeah, you can't sleep on Jack's either. You know. Jack's. I think most chicken biscuits I've had have always been pretty good. One, 
because they have to cook them fresh. They don't, <laughs> they don't leave them bad boys sitting under the cooler all day under the heater. So I think that that certainly plays a factor. Usually have to wait 10 minutes. I'm bow time. I'm a bow time guy. If you want to go to like just higher end restaurants for fried chicken, I would recommend Giacomo's in New Orleans. Um, they do more of the traditional fare from that, that region, I guess you could say redfish, uh, things like that. But, uh, they also do a fried chicken there that is, uh, that is tremendous. What about the uh, hot chicken? Are you into that, Tim, as an extension of this? I'm not a big hot chicken guy. No. And I like spice. I like heat. But I'm just – I never got swept up, man. This hot chicken thing, uh, it, it's really taken over in the last five years or so. Yeah, my youngest son, he friggin' can go. And he looks – he's a tiny little guy. He's a little, when he's young, he looked like the guy in Jerry Maguire, the little kid. And – um he would go to Buffalo Wild Wings and get the atomic or whatever. Jesus. <laughs> they would come down and ask us, hey, uh, the little one. And we we're like, yeah, we know. You know, they were like, this kid down here doesn't know what he's ordering like he does. He can go. He can go heavy. He likes hot chicken. He, uh, yeah, he has a good time with it. Me, no, I do not. I do not like the hot chicken. That. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big hot chicken guy. Um. Like I'll eat it, you know, if, if somebody's serving it, but I don't go like seeking it out, you know, like, oh man, I got to get that again this week. Uh, Tuscaloosa also asked, uh, who was the last white cornerback in the NFL? I mean, the last one that I remember, you know, being impactful was Jason Seahorn, I guess. And the one the skins have a guy though, right? Do they? The commanders. Yeah. They had, okay. um, I can't remember his name. Afco. Yeah, he was a decent. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. He, was a, he was a decent recruit. Um, I'll tell you one that played in the NFL a long time, or at least he was a corner at Alabama, was John Mangum. John back Mangum in the day. for the Bears. He was there for a long time. He was yeah. on chip team, wasn't he? I don't know if he was. No, he was after '85 because was he? he was on Alabama's '89 team, as I remember. Yeah, yeah, he was a little after that. He was in the NFL for a while, though. A yes, he team. was. Yes, he was. Yeah, he's um, 90 to 98. All right, what else we got? Tuscaloosa asks, Travis, how do you feel about sharing a name with Clay Travis? Are you two related? Thankfully, Tuscaloosa, uh, to the best of my knowledge, we are not related. Um, as far as Clay Travis is concerned, I'll just say this. I actually, at the 2009 SEC Football Media Days, was sitting right next to Clay Travis when he asked Tim Tebow if he was still a virgin. And right after he asked that question, I remember kind of thinking, I don't know who this guy is, but I do know that regardless of what happens from this point forward, whether we're somehow colleagues, whether it's about consumption of other uh, stories or podcasts or interviews or whatever, this guy will not be relevant to me in any form or fashion. In other words, I've had the luxury of since 2009, since that experience in Hoover, of not really paying attention to Clay Travis. I do know that he has you know, built a, a strong and big following. God bless him for that. But as far as what I consume from Clay Travis or what I hear from Clay Travis, it is, if it isn't nil, it's, it's a first cousin of nil. I'll just put it that way, Tim. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know have anything against the guy personally, but I, I mean, I know an agenda when yeah. I see one. You know what I mean? I know a stick. Yeah. I know when you're almost celebrating something. I know when something's personal. Um, he's had, he's had, he's had other takes. I mean, I, mean, I think he can be entertaining at times. I know some people like him, but he's not the kind of guy that I would need any kind of medical or personal or sports opinion from or legal or a legal opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in this legal jam. Can you help me? Cause I think <laughs> about the BS his way. So Travis is oh. to him. All right. Tuscaloosa. He also says the last two times he's read my prediction articles, Bama lost football games. So out of principle, he no longer clicks on those threads. That being said, what is your prediction for Wednesday night? All right. Tuscaloosa is a little bit of a moron. We like, he's yeah. all moron. Yeah, speaking of sticks. He is a funny guy. Stick to it, Tuscaloosa. Um, yeah, I like Alabama to win Wednesday night against Auburn. So, uh, um, he also asked Rich Rodriguez is the smallest photo on Coach Saban's coaching clinic poster. How about Rich Rod coming back to UA? For the uh, coaching clinic, uh, I thought that was hilarious. Has Rich ever been offered a position on Saban's staff? I will say this. Uh, I've been to practices in the past where Rich Rodriguez in the Saban era has been on hand, taken in practice. Now, he obviously worked in uh, as a broadcaster there for a minute. And um, so this isn't exactly Rich Rodriguez's debut at UA. Um, since Saban took over, and of course, as we know, Rich Rod was right in the thick of that opening all those years ago um rich rod at jacksonville state now gonna come over for the uh for the old clinic um tuscaloosa also here i feel like the consensus among the staff based on recent comments is that ty simpson will win the starting job at some point milrose game experience is valuable so what are simpson's strengths that will allow him to gain the upper hand despite his lack of playing time tim you know, I mean, he's a coach's kid, not just a normal coach's kid, but he's a college coach's kid with a very good reputation. I think that helps. I mean, obviously, he sat last year, was an early enrollee. This would be his second spring he's going to. For me, it's this – to me, it's this simple. The best passer is going to play, in my opinion, because you're not signing all this wide receiver talent in these last two classes and not passing the ball. I know there's going to be a new uh, commitment to the running game. Mm-hmm. Um, get that it makes sense 100% but there's no way they're not going to have a guy that can throw the ball now if that is Jalen Milrove he is the better passer then I think he's going to play and obviously I'm a huge fan of Jalen he is the freak of all freaks I loved him in high school thought he was a big commitment when they got him still got to iron out that throwing motion um, to me it still just looks so tight you know I don't want to throw him you know throw you know throw the baby out the bathwater so because he's so early but it's mm-hmm. It just looks so tight to me. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of his balls are a little bit shorter than they should be or longer. And that's not to say he can't improve because you can, I think he can improve as a passer. We've seen that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's a couple ways to look at this too, with Tommy Reese coming in, obviously the parameters are in place for Alabama's offense at a fundamental level. Now, as we know, offensive coordinators do have the freedom to, add to the mix and in a lot of cases nick hires these guys with the expectation that what they did at their previous place is going to definitely have a place moving forward at alabama and i think that's going to be the case with reese 
when you talk about more maybe two tight end sets, more of a commitment to the run. And I think quarterback, design quarterback runs are certainly going to have a place in this offense with Tommy Reese. Not saying that there's going to be 10 or 15 a game. This isn't going to be Jalen, I don't think, in 2016. But whereas you would think that would help Jalen Milrow, I think Ty Simpson can do enough in the run game to be able to execute what they want to do, even from that perspective. So I tend to lean with you, Tim. I think the better passer of the two will allow them to access the entirety of the playbook, which is what they want. And you said it. All the talk about tight ends with Tommy Reese coming in, I I get it. But they haven't stopped recruiting wide receivers, right? They got four more on campus early right now to go along with what they return. So they still want to get, yeah, they still want to get the football to those guys. There's a lot of speed guys too. These aren't just like, they're not bringing in a bunch of blocking wide receivers. I mean, you've got guys that are, that are quick, small, fast, you know, Malik Benson. I mean, that, that guy's, you know, he's a blur. So you got guys like that and you got some developmental guys coming in, but they all can run. Cole Adams is a speed guy. You know, he's a, he's going to be that quick slot receiver. Jaron Hamilton is a guy, you know, I like a lot. So, that goes back to Kobe Bonds, who's got world class speed. So, I, you know, to me, the best passer is going to play because I do think Ty Simpson's a good athlete. And you know, I have friends, you know, I've said that before, and I've had people say, "Well, he's not that good an athlete as Jalen Milrow." Well, no shit. <laughs> Milrow is a freak amongst it. To me, he looks identical to Adrian Peterson. His size, his muscle definition, his speed when he tucks and runs, he looks like he looks like AD to me. And I've never said that about another human being in my life. And as we said with Anthony Richardson earlier, 15 to 20 years ago, there would be there would be strong assertions made that maybe Jalen Milrow would need to move to another position. But in this day and age. There are places where Jalen Milrow can be very successful as a quarterback. And that's why instead of making position moves, you're seeing guys just make program moves. And Alabama yeah. could be the place for Jalen. You know, it could. That's what we don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've watched him. He's been, you know, really good. Yeah, he's right. He does have great experience. He's got a lot. I mean, that flip-flopping into that game in Arkansas and then yeah. having them come back, I mean, <laughs> That's as tough a situation as you're going to find, right? Right. To have that lead go away and you're sitting there and have to make big plays, uh, um, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, you saw that experience. You're right. You can't really teach that. And I know a lot of, you know, a lot of a lot of quarterbacks could have crumbled right there. Um, but, you know, then again, I think, again, it comes down to the passing game. How much has Jalen improved? Um, and, you know, we're going to see it in the spring, and that's why I'm excited. You know, there's no doubt he's been working hard since the offseason. Seeing him working out, you know, he's a hard worker. Ty's the same way, um, you know. And, again, Eli Holstein, he's a true freshman and probably trailing those guys. But I think, you know, he's a big, strong guy that, that, that might want to, you know, he'll go in there and compete too. Tuscaloosa, he knows that I watch all basketball, not just men's basketball. I watch basketball about every night of the week because – I also will enjoy women's college basketball. So here he comes with this one. We have seen other sports make major changes to adapt for women's play. Softball is a great example. I, I don't know that. I don't, I, I'm missing that example with softball. But anyway, uh, currently 
we have comparatively unathletic people playing a sport made for the world's best male athletes, and it's largely painful to watch. It's generally a very poor product, but I feel like that could change with some adjustments to the game. Lower the rim, for example. Why is there so much resistance to those adjustments? Um, I've had another friend mention lower in the rim. Why? And you know what? That's that's fine. That's I fine. I but if ever it, see girls who can't get it to the rim. But well, I think he's talking about like he likes dunks. You know what I'm saying? Like there's no real dunking in the women's game. So if you lower the rim, you can get more of that type of play. You're but changing women's basketball protection. Here, here's here's my counter to that. Okay, let's lower the rim so maybe we can get women dunking more if if that's what captivates you. Um, but hey, let's let's take some things on the women's side and apply it to the men. Let's let's give men smaller basketballs to play with, like the women use. So maybe they can shoot better than eighteen to twenty percent from three, which I see all too often. In men's college basketball, just brick upon brick upon brick. Maybe a smaller basketball would help the guys. And also, here's one in all seriousness that I've talked about extensively in the past. The women play quarters, Tim. They play four 10-minute quarters. Why can't the men go from halves to quarters so that at the end of the quarters, we reset fouls? So if you're telling me the men's game is a lot of fun to watch when the bonus is in play with 12 and a half minutes left and a half, and you're getting 40 free throws and a half between two teams, we must not be watching the same game, Tim. Being an NBA guy, I would be, I'd be, I would, I wouldn't mind the quarters at all. I, I don't watch a lot of girls basketball. When I do, I never find myself going, oh, poor thing, can't get it up to that rim. And <laughs> I don't I don't find myself going, damn, I wish they'd alley you that. Right. That that would have been great if they just would have dunked yeah, it. Yeah, I just don't. Yeah. That's to me, that's to me, that's, again, that I don't know. Well, Tuscaloosa, he knows. We, we've we had some fun with each other and some. What I love about Tuscaloosa is he is very much on record as being – anti-women's college basketball. He makes that opinion known. Whenever there's a nice thread on Alabama women's basketball in the roundtable, he makes sure to peek in there and let everybody know that it's not good and that he does not enjoy it. So he's he's committed to to this. And for that, for that I got to give him a, a lot of credit, you know. But like I've told him in the past, you know, some people are only capable of enjoying college basketball for half the week. Some of us, like myself, we get to enjoy it every night of the week. So, uh, you know, I kind of feel bad for Tuscaloosa, who also here in the roundtable, we're going to wrap up with Tuscaloosa, I promise. Let's make sure sure we get Bama Kraut because he waited for Tuscaloosa. No, we're going to we're going to get him. Yeah. Um, Deron Payne, Tuscaloosa says, was recently tagged as a franchise player in Washington. What do the commanders, Tuscaloosa, you know, you know better than that. What do the commanders see? He tries to catch me slipping and he, he can't do it. He's a crappy fellow. I'll give him that. Yeah, he tries to work it in there. I, yeah, I see you. I, I said see you, big fella. I said it earlier about the DB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do the commanders need to do in order to be a contender, and why do their quarterback decisions always suck? Um, and I guess Tuscaloosa is not big on Sam Howell moving forward, the former North Carolina quarterback. Not, he should not be. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he should not be. I mean, I think he answered his questions. The quarterback could the could the skins somehow move up enough uh, to get 
I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know what they got in capital. I mean, I don't. They've got. I mean, they have a really good defensive line. They have a good solid defense. They have an owner who's always in controversy. They're always in the middle of the draft. I mean, they've got the 16th pick now. I'm looking it up. They got a. You know, when I think about it, if Tuscaloosa is a Commanders fan, and given the owner there, Daniel Snyder, Snyder, and some of the comments from Tuscaloosa in the past, that makes more sense to me now. I would say it's it's the current owner. I'm not sure that's going to – Yeah. Well, yeah. Hold on to this bad boy much longer. Yeah. Yeah, they need a quarterback. I mean, obviously that's the key. You know, they, that's the key to any NFL team. They took a shot at Carson Wentz. It was a definitely a long shot, a shot in the dark, so to speak. And as shots in the dark often do, they miss their target. It's already well, been released after one year, so. Well, Tuscaloosa certainly uh, fed us there. You know, I felt like I was in a batting cage. You know, and he was the machine, just. One after another, he gave us. So we do appreciate that, Tuscaloosa. Bama Kraut, as promised, in all of the transfer portal activity relating to Bama this season, are there any transfers in or out where all three parties, the player, Bama, and the other school, are not better off after the transfer, or do all of them have probable happy endings? Same question on coaching turnover. P.S. Austin Armstrong is two separate entities as it relates to this question. Boy, that's a lot to process, but it's good stuff, Pam McCrow. Yeah, you take that one, Travis. Let me <laughs> well, we talked about Austin Armstrong <laughs> earlier, kind of the pros and cons of that situation. 29 years old. Yeah. You're getting that opportunity. If you're Austin Armstrong, you know, even if and he's, I'm sure not thinking this way, but even if it does go sideways under Billy Napier, you can always go back to coaching inside linebackers at a at a power five at an you know at an SEC program. Um, man, I'm thinking about it as far as players moving. Um, you know, I think I think for some of the guys, well, there were like three guys that went to TCU, right? Trey Sanders, JoJo Earl, mm-hmm. and Tommy Brockermeyer. I, I think it could work out for all three of those guys. Yeah, the one, at, at TCU. The one I felt was a good decision um, was Aaron Anderson, but I think he's hurt again. Is he? I think, hmm. I think he's got the same knee. I think I read that he had the same knee injury he had at Alabama. So that's probably a good fit for him because he was, you know, delayed in playing. He was injured at Alabama, wanted to play at the end of the year, wasn't quite ready. They've got all these other guys that stepped up. LSU doesn't have the wide receiver court. He's one that could work out if he gets healthy. I mean, the Bama staff liked him. He's yeah, a good the- players. The guy you want it to work out for is Trey Sanders, man. I mean, I with, with everything that guy's been through, and uh, it'd be awesome to see him go out to TCU and you know have a thousand yard season or something like that. So those would those would be my immediate thoughts on that. Um, yeah, I mean, as as far as transfers in, CJ Dupree is the guy you think about pretty quickly. Um, because of the need at tight end with Cam Latou moving on and uh, the emphasis that we're expecting to be on that position with Tommy Reese coming in as the offensive coordinator. Anything else on that, Tim? That's about it. It's a great question. You had this yeah. We yeah. Had there. I like it. The load us to sleep and Bama crap hits in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I was just right in the gut. We kept us losing to the softball. Uh, 
lobbing them up there. Yeah. Uh, they were flat, flat softballs, too. Slacker, yes. I love it. I love it. All right. In all seriousness, thanks to everyone who contributed to the Roundtable Mailbag. And, uh, Tim, that's going to do it for this week. Absolutely. We'll see you guys next week. Hang out with us at BamaOnline.com. Hang out with us on the Roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the globe right there with us at BOL. And you can consume this podcast anywhere you do your podcast consumptioning. I guess that's a word. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, the Bama Online podcast, we hope you'll do that. Leave us a rating and review. That'd be greatly appreciated as well. For Tim Watts, Travis Ryer, thanks again. And until next time, so long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.